Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more. Hey there, dudes and dudettes. Time to wax up your boards and go catch the big wave over at the LPN Beach Beach, Blanket. blanket, Bingo! bingo. One night only at the Balboa Theater in San Diego, October 20th. Come and check out all of the cool cats and the crazy dogs at LPN. Every show in the entire network, each one pulsating and grinding in front of you for your entertainment pleasure. We're all going to catch the big kahuna. And I'm talking about that big greasy guy. I'm talking about a wave. Ew, it's seaweed. It's seaweed. Just so you know, it's going to be inside of a theater. So any physical wetness you experience is your own personal body heat or the sweat of one of the performers. For live stream tickets, go to veeps.com slash L-P-O-T-L to watch from the comfort of your own home. Again, that's V-E-E-P-S dot com slash L-P-O-T-L. Come and check it out. I'm certain if there's a podcast flavor you need on your tongue, we got the spoon for it. Beach blanket bingo, baby. Come on, girls, let's dance. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. So why do they always say boy? They do always say boy. It's all boys. Always they could boy. be 30. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you just have boy. to be tight. <laughs> I think boy in certain places in South Beach is just about waist size. Yeah, it's a compliment. It is about 28. Like, 28 to 30 is my waist size. That's I, bo- I have boy weight. I mean, I'm 40 and I could. St- I believe I could still pass off as being called boy. I, hmm, you're a little I, tall. I think and you're, you're, and you're serious. Yeah, you're I getting am, on twinks right now. Yeah, that is, yeah, 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 that is true. I'm getting, well, and I still maintain that I'm a thinner otter. You're, in, you're becoming yes. the untwinked. It is, it's slowly happening to you. I'd, I feel like I'm I think the, it's called twink death. I think is the yeah. term. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if I'm allowed to say that. Can I say the word t- twink? Twink death. Yeah, you can. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Tw- twink is a. It's a uh, bear. Yeah. yeah. Twink death, countable and uncountable, according to Wikipedia. It means uh, the loss of a twink's youthful appearance as a result of aging. Ah, mm. uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And we're not really speaking as true authorities here because I've only been told I'm a bear by very naughty men on the internet. And I've been told I'm an otter 
by gay men that I know. And if any of you want to maybe explain some of the stuff that we're talking about right now oh, yeah. to us, because then we can talk back to everyone else about it, email side stories, lpotl at gmail.com. We love to learn. So a twink death is basically when you go from sparky to spunky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, we just added the you. <laughs> Welcome to Last Podcast on the Left, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Marcus Parks. I'm here with Henry Zabrowski. Hi, hi. And Ed Larson. Miami. Tell me what you know about cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to Miami. Benvenido a Miami. Um, it's actually really sad. It's a sad trip to Miami. It's yeah. a sad, which is there. I Half honestly, of them are. Hey, really? Because <laughs> most of the time it's, bye, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun, Grandma. Look, at shuffleboard. Look, look, no, there's a tree. Well, those are trips to Boca. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will say that I think the saddest show we've ever had was in Miami. Yeah, why would you go? You're in Miami, oh my God. Florida. It's you're the gonna worst go to a, town for comedy. You're going to go to a live podcast recording? Everyone's on their phones. I've done stand-up down there. No one's paying attention. Everyone's fucking 40 minutes late. It's too sexy. There's like literally a nightclub. DJ Laz was playing and like every time the doors open you just heard a better party. (laughs) And it was just like (laughs) (laughs) laughing more loving life being like fuck that fat guy. You hear that from the outside? I remember we were on stage and I was sick and like we're in Miami and I'm like drinking Dayquil straight from the bottle to make it through the fucking show. Yeah. Sad, sad play. For me, at least. For you, yeah. but honestly, I felt the heat. As soon as you walk out that hotel room, you feel like your hips kind of swivel. It's like, I felt the Polish creek. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. As my knees started swiveling back and forth. Well, let's get to Andrew Kunan part three. Let's wrap this fucker up. Yeah. Let's see what Mr. Kunani does now. I've been trying to think of where Kunani comes. Is that a shaggy thing? It feels like something shaggy would say. I just think, I think Henry made it up and like half stole it from something else. That's I think my it's, whole career. I think it's, I think it's Kunani. <laughs> well, know? yeah, some, I, someone said maybe it's because of the Steven Seagal song where he go, he sings all about the, you know, loving the Punani in the song because he thinks he's half like Jamaican. Yeah. For some reason. But I, for, uh, for death in that movie, he's half Jamaican. But I will say because again, he's a good actor, but it's, I just, just put it as Kunani because it's fun for me. Okay. So when we last left Andrew Kunanen, he just murdered a Civil War cemetery caretaker named William Reese, simply so he could steal Reese's truck for the next leg of his journey. This was Kunanen's fourth victim. And soon after he was officially linked to Reese, Kunanen became a national true crime sensation. God, he was excited about it. He was so fucking... He kept all his newspaper clippings. Yeah. He'd watch all the news reports. Now, as we said last episode, two of Kunanen's friends had called the FBI to tell them that he was likely headed for Miami and that he had a grudge against Gianni Versace. And as it was, Kunanen arrived in Miami not too long after the murder of William Reese. Ah, South Beach. Mm. And I got some select quotes from the Vulgar Favors book. That is, it's disgusting. But here we go. With forbidden seething Havana waiting to open up nearby, South Beach is a riot. Of loose locks and easy sleeves. Where dancing the night away amid hundreds of tanned, undulating bodies is a standard prelude to hot, anonymous sex. I mean, it's always been that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, since like the first like Native Americans found it, they were like, man, this place makes us horny as fuck. I think Miami was actually founded by an alligator and a thong. Yeah, yeah. We had like, <laughs> trying to suck dick. And here's another quote. South Beach is about being Venezuelan. 
21 and having designer pubic hair. Whoa, <laughs> 21 is generous. The- <laughs> hey there, hey, is it cool if I get in here? Yeah. The name's Winston McGonagall. Yeah. And, uh, is it weird? I know my pubic hair is just in a diamond shape. It was hard to get the LV in there. <laughs> Well, using another one of his fake IDs, Kunanen set himself up on Miami Beach in a room at the Normandy Plaza Hotel under the alias of Andrew Da Silva. And Normandy Plaza Hotel sounds fancy. It's $35.75 a night. Yeah, no. In South Beach, that's not good. No, 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 no. no. But it was only a block from the beach. Mm Mm-hmm. This was easily affordable, at least at first, because if you'll remember, Kunanen had left Lee Miglin's home with $10,000 in cash after that third murder. Which he quickly blew. Yes. Now, as far as Andrew Kunanen's movements around Miami went for the next five weeks or so. Actually, that's what I actually didn't realize is how long he was in Miami. He was there for a while. Yeah. Chilling. Yeah. Five or six weeks, somewhere around there. I I think it ended up being... Almost a month by the end of it. I think it was seven weeks uh, that he was in just fucking around. You could see how he thought he was getting away with it. Yeah. Well, after all that time in Minneapolis, he had to get his tan back. I mean, <laughs> of course, but he, he couldn't go outside. He's on America's Most Wanted. Yes. But that's the thing is that America's Most Wanted wasn't that, like, it, it was a big show, but it would it took a fucking, as I'm about to get into it, but it took a month for him to be recognized the first yeah. time. The problem is, is that they what they said is that I know that he didn't have a tan because multiple times he tried to go places. The word that people used to describe him was pasty. Yeah. Really? And America's Most Wanted was a big show in Florida. Because oh, yeah. of Walsh. Walsh is a Florida guy. That's right. And a lot, I would imagine a lot of the people hailed from Florida. Yep. <laughs> or end up there yeah exactly it's great it's called pulling a Bundy for a reason now, as far as Andrew Cunanan's movements around Miami went for the next five weeks or so they had to be put together by people who came out of the woodwork after Gianni Versace's assassination became the biggest news story in America but when Andrew first arrived in Miami the average person might not have known anything about the case if they didn't read Time Magazine or as we said if they didn't watch America's Most Wanted Therefore, plenty of local men had stories of Andrew dancing in gay clubs, swigging vodka crayons, and trying to pick up dudes. He definitely, uh, the word was, is that he had a hustler vibe. Yeah. I, I feel like this is one of those things that was like, I, you know, I, we can't really speak towards the hustling gay community. We sure. have no fucking clue. But you can speak towards the hustler community at a whole, you oh, know, sure. like, especially in South Florida. They're everywhere. Well, that's what they, everybody says. Like he stood out like a sore thumb yeah. as a guy that pulls fucking tricks for a living. Yeah. And I think he was a little bit more obvious. Like he could get away with that in California, but for some reason in Miami, just nobody was having any of it. Well, he's he's lost his edge. And he's also paunchy yeah. at this point. But he paid weekly at the Normandy Plaza Hotel and cleaned his own room so the maids had little reason to enter. I think one of them said she cleaned the room three times in the entire time that Andrew stayed there. And further proof that Kunanen was cognizant of the fact that he was still on the run, he ate at cheap restaurants and shopped at a nearby Walgreens. But he still made time for runs to the adult bookstore. According to an employee at one store called the Pleasure Emporium, Andrew was always well-dressed, 
well-spoken, and very nice. Yes, but they said any attempt at further conversation, he shut down. How often are we engaging with the clientele at the sex shop? You either talk too much or not at all. Yeah, I'd say loose lips sink ships, friend. Yeah, I feel like if you talk a lot at the sex shop, then there's something, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. I think eventually you do become an employee. Yeah. Well, as I've said before, like I had a very short run at the pleasure chest sure. in New York City. Oh. And in that bite, you're actually encouraged to talk to the people oh, because actually, it's very high. Know. It's very classy. It's very high class. That makes total sense. But they said his favorite magazines were jocks and inches, <laughs> which also could be a football magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen any given Sunday. Yeah, fourth and inches, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but just because most people didn't recognize Andrew, that didn't mean that nobody recognized him. On June 11th, after Andrew had been in Miami for almost a month, an employee at a sandwich shop called Miami Subs. Miami Grill. Subs. Love Miami Subs. Miami yeah. Subs. Miami Subs was amazing. They always had a Street Fighter 2. <laughs> I, I, I would get the old cheesesteaks were great. Yeah, they the got the curly steaks. fries. It was wonderful. Did they have fruit punch? They had like a proprietary oh, yeah. drink. They definitely had their own fruit punch. Yeah. And then like slowly but sure, Nathan's bought them. Yeah. And then they started to turn into Miami Grill and serve salads and shit like a like, what? fucking pussy. Yeah, what is this shit? I'm yeah. here for a fucking to get sick. Yeah, I remember. It was a great place for my mom to bring me to forget my dad wasn't around. <laughs> it didn't work. How was the tuna sub? Do you have the tuna sub? Of course I had the tuna sub. Yeah, my mom got the tuna sub a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, it's called uh, the Kunani now. Yeah. <laughs> that is what Andrew Kunani got. Yeah. Oh, you got it. Here's a tip for your tuna sub fans. Put a little mustard. Mustard. Oh yeah, sure, a little, sure, sure. A little, a little, a little, like one strip of mustard. I also like sauce. crunching up barbecue chips on top of a tuna sauce. You're fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm this, fat for a reason. <laughs> well, this guy at Miami Subs, he recognized Kunan and, and he called 911 before taking his time making Andrew's tuna sub. Slurry it up. Get that meat slurry on there. Because <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, yeah. Tuna sub being your favorite is a thing. Yeah, it's, it's a choice. It is very much a choice. But the cops still weren't fast enough because by the time they arrived, Andrew was already gone. Unbeknownst to them, Andrew's hideout at the Normandy Plaza Hotel was less than three blocks away. Teflon, baby! <laughs> <laughs> but it could be that Andrew noticed all the police activity in the vicinity of the hotel because he soon began spending more time in his brunette woman persona. In fact, Kunanam was so natural in his portrayal that the staff at the Normandy thought that he'd simply stopped leaving his room. See, that's funny because, again, that's another difference between the one book and the other book, because this book really puts more on this sort of like full shape shifting thing that Kunani would do, mm -hmm. where like the other book is way more just like he probably was like it was the constant. Uh, was it Spaceballs 2, the search for more money? Yeah. <laughs> it was the same thing, where it's just like, where was his money coming from? We did not know. Like, yeah. he blew through a lot of money very, very quickly. I imagine he was having sex for money. They thought, they think that, but also at the same time, you're in South Beach. There's a lot of people at this time period that are on a much higher level that are doing this on a regular, like, the standard is much higher than the rest of the country. That's right, yeah. and he's kind of fat now. Yeah, everybody's yeah. beautiful in South Beach. They're all just saying it's the most, it's, it's the hottest of every group is there to yeah. this day. But it's 10, but still $10,000 in 1997 goes go. a lot longer than $10,000 in 2023. Remember, that was almost 30 years ago. Yeah, but it's still a nightclub in South Beach every night. You're still you know, paying a lot a, of that's money. That's like 400 bucks a night, probably the way this guy lives. And yeah. then all the rock, man. Yeah, he was spending about $100 on crack. Every, it's a lot of crack. Pretty, it's a pretty, lot of on crack. The, on the regular. 
And that was known, you know, by a guy named Ronnie, who also, because this place was like a half flop house, yeah. wasn't a yeah. full flop house. They said that he would purchase rocks, you know, price it like 20 bucks, 60 bucks, 100 bucks. There's a lot of different sizes of crack rock that you can buy, apparently. Oh, yeah, oh. cool. At the same time, though, Andro... I wonder how they figure it out with, like, little measuring cups. <laughs> right? They must. It might be loosey-goosey. It depends on the guy, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's his style. I accidentally bought crack in Florida once. Oh, I th- was I not with you? No, no. It was before we knew each other. Yeah. But it was in Tallahassee. I went out, and I was trying to get a dime bag, and I gave the guy... He's like, how much you want? I was like, 10 bucks. And then he handed it to me, and it was crack. And I was like, oh, fuck. Ah, <laughs> what am I supposed I'm to out do? of my last $10, and now I only got crack? <laughs> But at the same time, Andrew may have also fooled himself at one point into thinking that maybe he could start over in Miami because it's rumored that he tried getting, quote unquote, modeling work, which almost certainly means porn. Sure. As far as the authorities went, they later claimed that they distributed thousands of leaflets with information and photos of Kunanan throughout the Miami Beach area once it was known with a fair amount of certainty that he was there. But according to the people that actually lived there, they never saw a single leaflet. Yeah, they said they were like, no, we got them. We we got them right here. There's a whole pile of them. You should see the Xerox machine. It's smoking. <laughs> and then like, but there was not a single leaflet when people arrived there. But my my theory is that not a single fucking person believed that he knew who Versace was. Like, you know, that he ever met Versace. Well, it wasn't even was- at this point, like, it wasn't a thing of like, he's here for Versace or anything like that. They're just like, we know this murderer is here. But that's the thing is that they lied. Yeah, they lied. Like, they totally lied. They only, they came out after the murder of Versace, and they just hoped that nobody would call them out. Yeah. That nobody would remember that there was no fucking flyers left behind. But I do think it was because it was not common knowledge that Gianni Versace would just walk around. And that he lived fairly openly in this community that they all viewed as a very, like, protected place for Mm. themselves. But everyone knew where his place was. Yes, but at the same time, it was... It was, this is one of those where like, whenever I go to a small town, like when I go to see like Natalie's family in upstate Michigan and stuff, I, you know, it's disgusting, but I look around and be like, this place is like a sitting duck for a maniac. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) somebody coming through here could rip through this fucking, they could kill the mayor. You know what I mean? They could do that. You you could go find the mayor and shoot the mayor in that. Where like something like this is like, it actually was fairly like, while it was still Miami, it was this kind of like beautiful Enclave. It was a, a very tight knit community yeah. that were looking out for each other and kind of knew everybody who was around. There's that hotel that's right behind Versace's house that, like, literally would look into his backyard. And they, everyone fucking you knew it's a W now. I think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like you, but back in the day, it was like a, a shitty little hotel, and like you, it just looks into his backyard. And they use it as like a promo. But it was a lot of like tra- you know. But the obviously there was a lot of transient activity, but people coming in and out, tourism and stuff. But like for the most part, you knew who belonged there. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the cops, they did very little proactive work when it came to catching Andrew Kunanen before he killed again. Yeah. They just lied afterwards because they got suddenly hit with a fucking red ball. Yeah. And not to mention, people are getting murdered by the second in Miami in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just outside of this. Yeah. Now, when Andrew Kunanen went down to Miami Beach, it's pretty certain from the evidence he left behind that he was planning to kill not just one, but possibly a whole host of celebrities, in addition to socialites and well-known community figures, just like, you know, he killed Lee Miglin because he was a famous architect in Chicago. Yeah. See, Andrew Kunanen had written a list of targets and left it behind in William Reese's truck. And while Gianni Versace was at the top of the list, right behind him was Madonna, 
and Julio Iglesias. No, not Julio. <laughs> Leave Julio alone. Also, both very Miami people. They yeah. are, yes. Madonna owned an apartment building, a giant sky rise with De Niro. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, in South Beach. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that everyone knew, like, these people had second, third, or fucking fourth homes in Miami Beach. Yeah. And this, this, I think that's part of the reason why Andrew Cunanan went there. Sure. Because he knew that, like, okay, he had spent his time in Hollywood. He spent his time in Los Angeles. And it's very, like, I mean, you guys know from living here, like, seeing a celebrity is very catch-as-catch-can. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and they are, this is where they are the most protected. Yeah. I mean, this is the heart of the celebrity machine. Yeah. So these, there are a lot of times if you see a celebrity out who's a high-level celebrity, they're coming out with, you know, they'll have a security guy in plain clothes. They have pe- they're have they normally walking around surrounded by people. Like, this is their stronghold. Yeah. Where you go to a place like South Beach, like, that's where Gianni Versace, in particular, went to relax. They yeah, went what's... there because I'm not as watched here. Yeah. And that's it. Like, I've been living in L.A. for like a year now. And maybe it's just because I never leave the valley, but the only thing close to a celebrity I saw was like Steven Root. No, and, and he was, was, that's cool. a good one. That's, that's a, good. a really good one. I saw Louis Guzman at Vivian's. That nice. was cool. That's yeah. cool. He was <laughs> waiting. Both of us were waiting. I was just like, I gave him the old tip of the hat. I'm like, I don't want to blow up your spot, Louis. Like, you know, <laughs> fucking love you. Love your fucking shit, bro. Let me see your eggs. What eggs did you get? Big fan. Big fan. Live from your grave. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at Babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at Babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, in addition to Madonna and Julio Iglesias, he also had on his list an oil heir named Gordon Getty, a socialite named Harry DeWitt, and a fair number of prominent doctors and lawyers in the Miami area. But perhaps tellingly and fucking dramatically. What a fucking, again, yeah. this fucking theater child. Yes, Kunana had also written his own name in blood inside William Reese's truck. Six Semper Tyrannus. <laughs> Fun to do. <laughs> Mr. Kunani arrives again. <laughs> he is a, yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit. I also think a, a poor, there are, he lived everything because he knew. Now he knows. The big ex was like, they're going to write books about me. They're going to mm-hmm. come looking for me. They're going to find out. They're going to, search for any bit of information about me because his own hotel room was staged with books of like the high elite. He wanted you to know that the things he knew only the most tasteful people would know. Like his taste level was extremely high. And so he put those things on to be like, see all the things I know, you know, like, cause it's not just like, you know, Pat Sajak. Mad magazine. Yeah. 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 Although I would have liked him a lot better if, he did have a stack of mad magazines in his hotel room. No, I think that, honestly, he might not have turned out the way he did. <laughs> it's an outlet. But as far as Kunanen's first target went, he would sit for hours at a restaurant called the 11th Street Diner, which just happened to be right across the street from the mansion that belonged to Gianni Versace. Staking it out. Yes. Now, to give you a bit of history on the fascinating figure that was Gianni Versace. He is fascinating. He is. He was a man who came from nothing, and his childhood experiences were later reflected in his designs. He said that during his childhood in Italy, his mother would take him to communion near a brothel that was run by the mafia. I have never seen so many in Naples and next to the cross. (laughs) The brothel was called the church. (laughs) (laughs) Versace remembered that he would see these women day after day hanging out of the window or sitting on the steps. But even though his mother told him to avert his eyes... Gianni, no! Gianni, no, see, no! I don't think he was looking for the reasons she thought he was looking. No, not at all. He still looked. And the sex workers' upfront forbidden flashy styles shaped his concept of female beauty. There are some people that will pop this bubble, right? Because his where he was from was the very tip of the boot of Italy. Mm-hmm. And someone said, like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, that's a really sexy, fashionable story. Oh, yeah. But if you were to gaze upon the sex worker community 
of this small Italian town, you might not notice a heck of a lot of differences between the Nonas and the Sucky Nonas. <laughs> like, they, you might not, there was still, aprons were still plentiful. A bushka <laughs> was a democratic item. Everyone had one. So it wasn't like, they weren't hanging out in like, it wasn't a music video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now later, Versace would get a lot of shit for this because people would <laughs> criticize his clothing designs for being vulgar and demeaning to women. That just made them sell better. That's yeah, the idea. It really did. But according to Versace, he loved a woman and he only wanted to celebrate their bodies. I take, a, I take the first thing I do, I see a vagina. First thing I think, I play a trombone. <laughs> you light the little birthday candle. Look at, oh, look at the happy birthday to Evolve. <laughs> that works for Miami because everyone's fucking naked in Miami. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. It's just in fun. the street. You're just like, everyone's. I don't even know how the strip clubs stay open. <laughs> yeah, you just you go to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently many women and men agreed with Versace's vision. By the mid-90s, Versace was raking in tens of millions of dollars in profits from a sprawling fashion empire that also produced accessories, jeans, sportswear, children's clothes, and home furnishings. And that's in addition to all the high fashion. Do you know that he made a child's cologne? <laughs> Wow. That's incredible. I saw that like, yeah, cologne for kids. Oh. I mean, when I was a kid, I had a cologne collection. Didn't you? Oh, yeah. We had ju I had Jupe and Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah, Jakar. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love all that sport. shit. Yeah. Oh, I had this stuff called Animal that I bought Ooh. for $15, and it was wonderful. Oh, yeah. But, dude, again, those were colognes for men that we put on our child bodies. He made marketed children's clothes. <laughs> well, Versace dressed Tina Turner, George Michael, Prince, Sylvester Stallone, Mike Tyson wore Versace, Faye Dunaway, and Princess Diana, oh, to yeah. name just a few. That's good work. It's very good work. And that was his whole thing. He revolutionized the idea of harnessing vulgarity as a attribute being like no we're celebrating this yeah and in that he became a pr like machine where he understand he would just throw millions of dollars worth of free stuff at celebrities and all of a sudden they're hanging out they're loving it and then they're hanging out with him well what andrew crunanan figured out was that gianni versace was not just a celebrity but a celebrity amongst the celebrity community itself oh yeah as far as gianni versace's demeanor went he was said to be an open, simple man who kept no secrets, and he was also the first internationally famous fashion designer to talk openly about being gay. One of the first famous people ever, in fact, yeah. to talk openly about being gay. But as it is with many successful Italians, and I'm not going to say that this is a fair assumption. It's not a fair assumption. This is, this is a, we are a subjective experience at last podcast. <laughs> it was always rumored that Versace's business had been backed by the Italian mafia from the beginning. And we're talking Italy, Italian yeah, mafia. Here. Those yeah. are the people who killed Jesus. From the Delta. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, the truth is, is that <laughs> I do think it's discounting him because he did like, yeah, it is. I, I don't know. I, cause they did a lot of research again, whatever fucking this trash rag, vulgar favors. You want to talk about it? They put a lot of work into trying to dig deep to find this type of dirt, and they could not find it. They could not find the real mafia ties. He because in Italy, oh god, it's just the government's also like because the it's supposed to be transparent, mm -hmm. you know. But then also you find out like half the government's on the table. It's all it's all there's a lot of hasn't mirrors in there. Yeah. Hasn't Italy had something like? 43 different types of government yeah, since World dude. War II. And yeah. they don't give a fuck. They are, they just relax, man. 
Well, some would later refer to Versace storefronts as, quote, the prettiest launderettes in the world. Ooh, catty. Which was a statement somewhat supported by the fact that Versace's boutiques were mostly empty, yet stayed in business nonetheless. Well, they went to, because it was the, in, during this time period, right before his murder, they were trying to go public, right? So the company, yeah. so they took a lot more, there was a lot more eyeballs in the center of what used to be very, like, family-based private company very private well that's the other thing too is that this you know having those storefronts is like it's not about selling the items in the storefront it's about having the storefront on like fifth avenue that's it's, his an, idea. it's an advertisement and a pair of shorts is a grand it yeah. costs a lot yeah. of money so it's <laughs> but the stuff that would sell it was never the big high end crazy items those are the those will he use he basically said that was for publicity yeah and that the things that sold were the cologne and the jeans mm -hmm. and the t-shirts like the stuff that's like the lower end stuff, but that's what kept the lights on. Yeah. Well, adding to the speculation that the mob might be involved was the fact that Versace's business history was extremely vague, as yeah. you said. And in May of 1997, Santo Versace, current president of the company, by the way, was charged along with three other Italian fashion houses for bribing Italian tax officials. Cut to the tax officials just been like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you know, like, fancy scarves on and like big like pirate hats and like rings. About, like, I have never once ever seen a bribe you. And then he's holding a glass of champagne and takes off in a boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like on the street. Well, Further muddying the waters was the fact that when Versace went to Italy, he did so surrounded by bodyguards and he traveled in a bulletproof car. Well. It was said that Versace did this because he was terrified of being kidnapped and or killed by a branch of the mafia from his Calabrian homeland called the Undrangheta. Mostly unknown in America, the Undrangheta were so pervasive and powerful in Italy that their profits account for 3.5% of Italy's GDP. How is that measured with them? <laughs> Why are they allowed to be a part of the GDP? Because they, they actually, they were so evil that they just submitted their taxes. We're like, this is how much money we stole this year. <laughs> Honestly, we just want to thank you for your honesty. <laughs> and they're still one of Europe's largest drug traffickers, made up of 100 families, each with their own territory. The Ndrangheta has about 5,000 members in the Calabria region alone, which is where Gianni Versace is from. They were also no strangers to kidnapping high-profile people for money. In 1973, the Ndrangheta kidnapped the 17-year-old grandson of an oil tycoon named J. Paul Getty, who was once the richest man in the world. That story! Yeah. The Kevin Spacey got kicked out of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that movie? Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah, watch yeah. it. Now, at first, Getty refused to even entertain the idea of paying the ransom. Fuck my grandson. <laughs> that's an incredible. I love that. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do with him? How much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys just make another grandson for me? <laughs> <laughs> but after Getty received his grandson's ear in the mail, he finally negotiated with the Ndrangheta for a ransom of $2.2 million. Now, they'd originally asked for $17 million, but Getty refused to budge past two point two because that was apparently the maximum tax-deductible amount. <laughs> That's a real business. Have thing. you seen the Getty Museum on the 405? It's beautiful. It's, it's gigantic. Yeah. yeah. He easily could have paid three mil. <laughs> Is that the same Getty? Yes, it's wow. all the Getty images. It's all the same fucker. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, no, no, they're huge. Now, nine of the Getty kidnappers were arrested and convicted, including a couple of high-ranking members of the Indrangheta. But most of the ransom money was never recovered, and the authorities didn't even come close to convicting 
any of the bosses. In an incredible coincidence, though, one of J. Paul Getty's children, Gordon Getty, had actually been on Andrew Cunanan's list of people to possibly kill in Miami. Wow. And I do, I guess, I think that it came from his research. He put a very curated list together for the police. I think he knew this shit. I think he, he literally have. looked it up and he tried to see, probably had heard the rumors about Versace being in the mob. Oh, that's like, very much like an Andrew Kunan and like him at a cocktail party conversation. Oh, of yeah. course, because that's what he used to do. If you got, if you look back in the first episode, that that was his thing is that he wasn't. That's that one guy said being like, you're not smart. You just memorize trivia and then just say it at a bunch of places. And it kind of feels like he did that. And he because, again, everything's about there is no Andrew Kunan yeah. on the inside. And it would have been easy to sneak up on because he only has one ear. Can't hear. With a grandson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can go. still hear without the yeah, ear. Yeah, after. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also there's heat. You can feel heat. <laughs> but when you consider the history of the Ndrangheta mob, you can see where Versace's fear came from. Oh, sure. It's possible that Versace either didn't want anything to do with them and took precautions when he went to Italy, or he was forced to work with them because he had the bad luck to hail from their main territory. Or it was just cool for him to drive around in a bulletproof limo and it made him look very, very important. Could be. I think it's just good to be safe. In Italy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially because then in the 90s. The crime was way up in the 90s than it is now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like murder numbers were fucking through the roof oh, compared yes. to what they are now. Yeah. But there was an incident, unproven. That hints that Versace might have been at least lightly involved with the mob. Versace supposedly told a friend named Frank Monti about an associate named Guglielmo Gatto, who kept ledgers for the mob. Because you just because he used the word associate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you name your child Gugliera, you know they're only going to be good for one job. What could they do <laughs> besides being a book? <laughs> Guglielmo and he's just like born with a garrot you know like a, instead of an umbilical cord well it was allegedly Thank Guglielmo Gatto's job to clean up the books and keep legitimate businesses legitimate in the eyes of the authorities you see it this is legitimate business. and again he's talking like that since he's four this is legitimate but something happened between Guglielmo Gatto and Gianni Versace something that caused Gatto to steal ledgers that he could use to blackmail Versace for millions of dollars. But shortly after that blackmail attempt, Guglielmo Gatto was hit by a bus in Milan. Strangely, though, his autopsy showed that unless the bus had hands, <laughs> Gatto had already been strangled to death before someone just threw the body into the street. I can't believe how articulate the headlights on that bus were. Yeah, that bus certainly made short work of that strangled man. And I just want to say one more time, Guglielmo Gatto. I just, it's just very fun to say. It is a great name. Yeah. Tell me you were going to give me my blocks back or we are going to have to have a talk about a certain situation. <laughs> yes, this may be the mob, but it is also pre-K. <laughs> but when it came to Versace's way of life on Miami Beach, it couldn't have been more different from how he conducted himself in Italy. See, he'd fallen in love with Miami after designing outfits for Don Johnson during Don's run on Miami Vice. He looked great. Oh, yeah. He looked oh, yeah. fucking fantastic. He was awesome. And soon... Gianni Versace bought a mansion on Ocean Drive, the same mansion where he would one day be murdered. It's so it's uh, it's wild because when he found I, I thought it was interesting, the rise of South Beach, because it was like 
Claudia Schiffer lived there and you should just like hang out. And that was like the first thing that brought everybody there was that Cla- it was like, Claudia loves it. Mm. But where most celebrities who had mansions on Miami Beach, like Madonna, hid their mansions away, Versace had a single gate protecting his home. It was very out in the open and very gaudy. And Versace's address was so well known that it became somewhat of a tourist attraction. Well, he, he, well, you know, there's a little bit of controversy because he tore down a historical landmark to build his mansion and then tore the historical landmark that was next door to build his pool and studio. But at the same time, he was just like, hey, Versace. <laughs> and they're all like, yep. It's like Versace just really helped grease a lot of wheels, the name itself. Yeah, yeah. and he had a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think his... Uh, and he brought a lot of money and attention to the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. I think his uh, mansion cost like $4 million to build and $4 million, you know, 90s money. Yeah. Additionally, there were a lot of gay bars and clubs around Versace's mansion, and he could be seen hanging out at the clubs before picking up a pizza pie on the way home. All of this, of course, was well-known information to Andrew Cunanan. Now, after Cunanan had been on the FBI's 10 most wanted list for a month, he sold one of the gold coins he'd stolen from Lee Miglin at a Miami Beach pawn shop called Cash on the Beach, got $200. And this is a bit of a reckless move for Andrew Cunanan because he used his real ID, used his real passport, and he even gave the manager his thumbprint. And all that information was then mailed to the Miami Police Department, which was standard procedure for Florida pawn shops, as required by law. I got two takes on that, which is either number one, just straight up wheels are falling off, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't care, needs it to get done. He's desperate for money. And so he's like, whatever, I can't, because he knows that they'll look too hard until there's other fake shit or the ideas he's, IDs he's stolen. And then there's number two of the, hey, hello. Yeah. yeah. Hey, make me do something. That's yeah. what I feel like. I feel like he just got bored in that apartment. Yeah, he's just running out of money. He knows his time's running out. He is uh, not ready to do his final deed that I think he'd planned this whole time. And then I think that now he's going to be like, please make me go do my last stuff now. But while we might think of this as the first step towards Andrew's capture, or at least an increase in pressure, the paperwork that said that Andrew Cunanan's in town and is selling shit at pawn shops, that was tossed on a clerk's desk, and it wasn't seen until after Cunanan's spree was over. And that's the funny thing, is that, like, the police tried keeping it under wraps, but afterwards the FBI was like, no, these stupid motherfuckers, they had proof that he was here, like, Weeks before the murder. They basically said South Beach police were like 10 years behind the rest of the country in terms of they, they nothing was technologically advanced inside their offices. Everything was still old school because, again, like they had murders, but in the South Beach area, it was different. It was, again, had kind of weird kind of a, a small town vibe, even though it was not. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I remember. I like realize I said mailed like this is 1997. Fax machines. You could fax. Like, yeah. You could fax something. And they were, they're still going by. Like, everything's paper. Everything's getting mailed. But the zero hour for Andrew Cunanan's last murder was fast approaching. See, Andrew was running out of money. And he could test his luck selling coins at pawn shops only so much. In other words, he knew that the game was almost over. So he shaved the sides of his head into what Maureen Orth called a modest mohawk to evade authorities a bit longer. Again, a sudden shift. And hairstyles means your friend might be getting dangerous. It's very Taxi Driver. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. Like, he could have watched Taxi Driver. And he's he like, might you have. know what? I'm going to go fucking do a mohawk and I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. It was also around this time that people in the Miami gay community began recognizing Andrew. But they didn't recognize him as Andrew Cunanan. They recognized him as a guy hanging out in the gay clubs looking for Gianni Versace. 
See, Versace was recovering from a surgery, so he wasn't out and about as much as he usually was. Cunanan, therefore, had become what known as the guy who kept asking, Where's Versace? I want to meet Versace. Where's Versace going to come around? I want to see his hats. I want to see what his jeans are like in person. Versace. You like Versace. Yeah. Right, Versace. Yeah. But at some point, Cunanan presumably decided that he was just going to stake out Versace's mansion until the famous designer decided to come out, whether it be day or night. As it happened, they'd meet for the last and possibly first time on the morning of July 15th, 1997. That morning, Versace walked through the gates of his mansion to a nearby news cafe and bought $15 worth of magazines. Coincidentally, one of those magazines was an issue of People that featured a profile on Cunanan. They also found a Vanity Fair magazine in Andrew Cunanan's apartment that had an article on the Versaces. So they wonder whether or not, like literally these are two steam trains heading towards each other. Yeah. I miss the days when you go buy a bunch of magazines. You can still do you it, still no one, but no one, no one has them anymore. No, there's a magazine stand over on uh, Laurel Canyon. Yeah, you can go to like uh, uh, is Books a Million still around? I know that Barnes and Noble still has magazine stuff. Do you, they? Man, we need to set ourselves in the decade we want to live in. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's time for us to make the choice. You want to buy magazines? You want to fucking get a brick phone? Let's do it. Thank I you. have been thinking about going out and picking up a couple of porno mags. Yeah, just for, for old time's I, sake. Just for, I, yeah. I, I'm surprised. Honestly, I was surprised. But yeah, <laughs> sure. Someone's got to buy them. Yeah. No one, honestly, no. Because there's so much on the internet. There's so many, There's so much pornography. But. I, I did get a little bit inspired when I went to that place in Pittsburgh where they had all those vintage penthouses for sale. And I bought a few of those because I was looking for that Patty Smith interview. But I thought like, you know, let's get a couple more in here because one of them had a John Hinckley interview in it. See, and, again, you're, but yeah. then now you're fucking, you're, you're really, you're wasting our time here. <laughs> you're literally buying the articles. You're buying it for the articles. No, I bought it for the art. I came for the articles, but I stayed. You came again. For the come. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been thinking about having a, you know, a, a vintage penthouse collection for a while now. So just be careful because you never know what's in some of these magazines before a certain age. Stay tuned. I'll keep you updated. But according to the cafe host, Versace might have known something was going on. So glad he's going to keep us updated. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> but he got mad at us two weeks ago for talking about Kathy Ireland. You know, this is your jerk off minute. <laughs> <laughs> but according to the cafe host, Versace might have known something was going on. The host said that that morning Versace was agitated and kept walking around the area in a sort of loop like he knew someone was following him. But by 9 a.m., Versace was back at the mansion gates, about to walk through. It's at that moment that Versace was approached by Andrew Cunanan, who was carrying a backpack and was dressed in a nondescript muscle tee, black shorts, and a black baseball cap. It's like he put on his assassin outfit. Yeah. Witnesses said they exchanged words, then began to curse at each other in Italian. See, again, that's, that is debated. The cursing, them cursing each yes. other in Italian. It's debated because I do believe that I, I, I actually believe that there were no words exchanged. Yeah, that he just I walked that, up and shot him. Yeah. I think that you, that they, the, the one breakdown of the crime I saw, I believe, was that he was just struggling to open his gate, and because that's it was just a bullet to the back of his head, execution style, and then he did the, he hit him again. Yeah. So I believe, yeah, that they yeah. had they exchanged no words. This is people blowing out. Yeah. The, the circumstances. Sure. But. According to the blown-out version of the story, Cunanan reached into his backpack, pulled out Jeff Trail's pistol, and shot Gianni Versace in the head. Versace crumbled to the ground, where Cunanan shot him again. 
The crowd around them, of course, erupted into chaos. But Versace's longtime lover, Antonio D'Amico, ran out of the mansion upon hearing the shots and started running towards Cunanan. Cunanan then pointed the gun at D'Amico, but D'Amico ducked and retreated back to Versace's body. Apparently satisfied with just Versace's death, Cunanan took off running, and while a couple of people did give chase, they quickly gave up when Cunanan pointed the gun at them as well. Now, there's still a contingent of people who believe that the assassination of Gianni Versace was actually a mob hit, and that Andrew Cunanan was a convenient scapegoat for the Miami police because they desperately needed to close a red ball murder. Also, I honestly think it's a lot of, like, no one wanted Versace to be associated with this fucking nobody. Yeah. yeah, And not just that, the mob wouldn't take him out. He's making too much money. If he is involved with them, he's, he's like one a, of their... Yeah, yeah, he's a big money maker. Yeah, uh, they're not going to kill him for that reason alone. Unless he decided to cut ties with them because they were about to go public. (laughs) See, besides all the mob rumors, the first bullet that struck Gianni Versace did something interesting as it exited his body. It hit the gate's metal railing and broke apart. And one of those bullet fragments hit a dove and killed it instantly. Yeah, this is is one of those, like, the the twisted hands of fate Mm -hmm. shit. Doves, however, are easily confused with pigeons. A dove's like a skinny pigeon. Yeah, and yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And many believe that a dead pigeon on the scene of Gianni Versace's murder was highly suggestive of a mob calling card, like the ham at Lee Miglin's place. Unbelievable. It's still just like, you think that they used a tiny, tiny gun to <laughs> whack the dove? No, you can kill a dove with a very large gun. I'm but I'm s- just saying that just you saw a little pinpoint assassin bullet <laughs> through its eye, just like Johnny Versace, and you think that it's like it's been taken up by another bird? You kill someone on their front doorstep. You're not sticking around to like put a dead bird there, too. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, you could also have the dead bird in your pocket, and you just fucking, as you're running away, you just throw pull it out and throw it. Maybe, honestly, <laughs> you thought it was going to be a fun magician-like reveal, and then you <laughs> He's like, fuck, the bird's dead. I thought, uh, oh, I smothered it. (laughs) But while that might make for a compelling narrative, if you're into mob stories, the forensics prove that the bullet came from the 40 caliber pistol that Andrew Cunanan had used to kill his four previous victims. Incredibly, though, soon after Versace's body was taken away, hundreds of mourners began laying flowers on the steps of his mansion. In that crowd was supposedly Andrew Cunanan himself who wanted to see the aftermath of his big celebrity murder up close and personal. I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him, but I also question how we know this detail. Again, it's another one of those how it's what Kunani would have wanted. It's what he would have wanted. It's, it's what he would have done. It's possible that like after Kunani was caught, some person was like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy, I was standing next to him at Versace's place. Of course. But they, but they might be fucking lying. They're seeing so everything. A bunch of liars down there. It's yeah. All, yeah, I mean, still, it's their, they have a flair for the dramatic. Yes. Also, like, it was everywhere. when the, In South Florida, like, it, on the cover of the Miami Herald the next day was the gate in his blood. Yeah. Wow. Like, it was fucking intimidating and scary. And, like, everyone was like, fuck, serial killer, Running around South Florida, everyone was terrified. Well, of course, yeah. if he, they feel like if he could kill, if he could walk up and shoot Gianni Versace in the head, we're all like, he can get to anybody. Yeah. Live from your grave. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do! Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet! Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing! No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. 
Now, Cunanan was not seen as a suspect at all in the very beginning of the investigation. Because of the dove, some of the cops jumped on the mob angle, and of course, the rumors as well. But because Versace was openly gay, other cops went with their standard, probably a gay thing theory. And they started questioning Miami Beach's gay community. Within a few hours of the murder, however, people noticed a conspicuous red truck with a lot of parking tickets and New Jersey plates while they were canvassing the neighborhood. Inside, they found more fake Andrew Cunanan passports, Lee Miglin's wallet, more newspaper clippings about Cunanan's crimes, and the aforementioned list that included Gianni Versace. From that point forward, Andrew Cunanan was the number one suspect. You see, it's act three. <laughs> yes, I'm the ultimate villain. Now, unfortunately, Andrew Cunanan got exactly what he wanted from the murder of Gianni Versace. Some of the most famous people in the world, like Elton John and Princess Diana, issued statements of grief, while tabloids from far away as England printed homophobic headlines. Gay assassin shot Versace, and Versace executed by gay slayer. By this point... I don't know why he was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. I want to go see Gay Slayer, by the way. <laughs> oh, man, that would be fun. That would be sweet. I'm down for it. It's Judas Priest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by this point, though, the FBI had very much caught on to the fact that Andrew Cunanan was a slippery frog to peg. So they issued a... Ugh. <laughs> God, I hate that term. Have I you ever pegged a slippery frog? Uh, yeah, God. It's like pegging me. Man, I've written like three live shows in the last week. My turns of phrase are just getting so bizarre and weird. Like, I wrote slippery frog to peg, and I was like, what the fuck what is, is that? that but then it's like I had so I had like two other shows to write, so I'm like, fuck it, I'm going with slippery frog to peg. That's I don't what you know. do, I guess. I don't know, man. That's just what it's the, hard to peg a slippery frog, I, you know? <laughs> You gotta get your sandpaper gloves. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta get some napkins. So they issued a new warrant poster with three photos of Cunanan featuring three of his most used looks. One picture was Andrew Cunanan himself, or at least like the regular and everyday Andrew Cunanan. That's the big, the, the, with the Tom Cruise smile. Classic Andrew Cunanan, the fresh-faced preppy. Another was a picture of him with closely cropped hair and a serious look. That was Lieutenant Commander Cummings. The last was what you know, the woman from Vulgar Favors called a darkly handsome model, which I'd assume was Andrew De Silva. Yeah, and a couple other fake names, too. Yeah. Regardless of his highly increased profile, though, Cunanan was spotted at a steakhouse in Boca Raton, a place with the fucking awful name of Choices. Just... Okay, now, Choices. All right, I know Choices. You it... do? All right, are you ready for this? It was a gay steakhouse. <laughs> That's incredible. And, like, and it was called Choices, and everyone and I had stayed open late, and it became a nightclub. And I remember always wanting to go to Choices, and my dad's like, no, we don't go to Choices. Choices, come on. Come on, Dad. I, I think he went once, and he was like, there's just a lot of men in there. You I, know? Actually, <laughs> I know the choices they're making. <laughs> but Choices is a great name for, like, a gay club. Oh, it's a yeah. great yeah. name for a gay but, club. But, but it's, for a restaurant, it's confusing. Yeah. yeah. But it and, was it was weird that, it, like, it always blew my mind, even as a kid, that there was a gay steakhouse. Yeah. I Honestly, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it turns into a club. Mm -hmm. But Andrew split before the FBI was able to put together a raid. Meanwhile, the press had caught up to Modesto Cunanan in the Philippines. 
beginning a long streak of denial in the face of insurmountable evidence, Modesto insisted that his son couldn't have killed anyone because he'd been an altar boy. Oh, he was yeah. a Catholic, oh. for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Altar boys are all fine. Yeah, and also, Catholics there was are... no way he was gay. No His son was way. not gay. Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> no way! <laughs> now, just because Kunanen was the top suspect didn't mean that cops didn't turn the Versace mansion upside down looking for clues that might point towards a jealous lover. They're not letting go of that angle just sure. yet. Likewise, they questioned thousands of people, mostly gay men in Miami Beach and all around South Florida. APBs were also issued across the country, but out of the 600 tips called in, none were helpful. But then it looked to the cops as if Andrew Cunanan had struck again. And this began a long string of attempts on the part of the authorities to pin every murder in Florida involving a gay guy on Andrew Cunanan. A few days after Versace. Man, that just never fails. Yeah. Cops always do this. They really do. It's they're almost like, like they're lazy and don't really care about catching the actual person and only care about getting the fucking turning the red name into black. Hmm, maybe. <laughs> you maybe. So. Yeah. Well, a few days after Versace was killed, a burglar alarm was tripped at a house out by the airport. And when police arrived, they found a Cuban exile named Dr. Silvio Alfonso with his pants around his ankles, killed execution style. Now, since the house was less than 10 minutes from Versace's mansion and a neighbor saw a guy who looked like Cunanan running from the house, authorities believe that Alfonso may have picked up Cunanan at a bar and Cunanan had been using the home as a hideout. But it was soon discovered that the murderer was a guy named Yosevani Fernandez. This story is Full of great names. Oh, yeah, I love Yosevani <laughs> Fernandez. Yeah, and he did actually look like Cunanan, but he'd killed Dr. Silvio Alfonso over a simple matter of money. And I'll say, killing someone over money, those goes across all genders, <laughs> you know, what you love, what you like. Yeah. Why did he take his pants down? It's a humiliation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a mob hit. Yeah. Because you would, honestly, with the mob, if they want to embarrass you, the real thing is they cut off your chicken balls and put it in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty standard across all the you know criminal syndicates. Yeah, they cut you know they cut your slip and they pull your tongue out through the the thing. You get the Columbia necktie. Hmm. Interesting. A lot of free time. <laughs> slit, your, slit your mouth into Joker like smile. That's also real too. Yeah, this is why they actually do need legitimate businesses. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> Something to keep them busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not just idle hands of the devil's plaything. It's yeah. a lot of creative energy that needs to be spent somewhere. But from there, cops started going back through their files to look at the murders of other gay men, and they found a case involving a guy named Casey Sigler who'd lived on Miami Beach. Sigler was found beaten to death in his home on May 12th after he was seen at a cruising spot in Flamingo Park. And authorities believe that Cunanan was the killer because that was the day he'd arrived in Miami. Authorities, even as far away as the Philippines, were trying to close cases using Cunanan because they had their own murdered gay fashion designer, a guy named Carlos Batadoy. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Tagalog is a, it's a difficult language. It is. Yeah. In other words, if a gay guy had been murdered in Manila or Miami and the case was still open, cops tried pinning it on Andrew Cunanan to clear the case, just like they'd done years earlier with Henry Lee Lucas. Anytime there's a serial killer that they can just fucking go from red to black, they're going to fucking do it. Meanwhile, the gay community at large were trying their best to help get Andrew Cunanan off the streets themselves. Oh, sure, because you're, just, you're fucking poisoning the punch bowl, man. Yep. Photos of Cunanan were downloaded, printed, and distributed to hundreds of gay bars and clubs all across the country. 
But that was still a long shot because according to one criminologist, Andrew Cunanan, he was basically Mr. America. He looked sure. like everybody and nobody all at the same time. He could be damn it. He could be so many different races, so many different nationalities. He could just blend in anywhere. In a pointed jab, this criminologist, it's almost like he knew what would piss off Andrew Cunanan. Try to see, because also maybe you could make him pop his head up. Yeah. yeah. He said that Cunanan was able to stay undetected because he was extraordinarily ordinary. Yeah, he didn't really. Yeah, he wasn't particularly handsome, especially at this point. He wasn't particularly anything. No. Now, considering how Andrew had a kill list that included a fair amount of celebrities, cops also issued warnings to Calvin Klein, Jean-Paul Gaultier, Giorgio Armani, Elton John, poor Lisa Kudrow. She's like, why am I in this fucking shit? I just did smelly cat. I don't need this shit. Interestingly, they also issued a warning to John Travolta, mm. who had oh. not at any point been mentioned. I, I feel, know. I feel like there's a little spice of maybe some Hollywood homophobia there. Yeah, in he like, was in uh, Miami at the time. He might. Yeah, was well, yeah, he in he Miami did, at yeah, the time because yeah, he was shooting that movie, uh, the sequel to Get Shorty. Was, oh, was shooting down there. Is that real? The, yeah, 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 yeah. Get real. Get real. Yeah, yeah. That was the name of the movie. Wow. Or be cool. Be cool. That's be what it cool. was. Yes, be yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Was shooting down there. Yeah, with the Dennis Farina and all those. No, oh, I love Dennis Farina. Wow, this is a, wow. It's incredible how much knowledge you have about the, <laughs> every single thing that was happening in Miami at the time. Because this was the height of your life. Yeah, yeah, no, this is when I've like finally started to read the news a little bit and understand that there was more things other than Dan Marino in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so you were at like 14, 15 when all this is going on? I was 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. 15, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was 15, 97. Yeah. yeah. But from witness reports, Kunanam was not coming anywhere near a location where a celebrity might be seen. You may have actually run into him at one point. Especially because he was in fucking Boca. Yeah, he yeah, was. I mean, the melting pot was right next to Choices. We <laughs> love going to the melting pot. I, I fucking love that shit. No, someone saw him at a Publix in Fort Lauderdale. I could have been there. I fucking love Publix. <laughs> oh my God, that's incredible. Give me a sandwich. He probably get some fried chicken. Well, no, Be Cool was shot in 2005. Oh, it was, was much it? later. Be cool. Was much much later. Unfortunately, I didn't mean to uh, double no, fact check you, you, but I was I like looking that. at this because like Get Shorty was shot ninety four, ninety you know, something he was like in that. The thin Welcome to Hollywood. There's Primary Colors came out at the time. Yeah. That was that was more. But he was around Florida a lot. He might have been a long time before it came out. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to grind this door. No, I like that. I like, thank you. (laughs) They also saw Cunanan at a Dade County. Well, they said they saw Cunanan at a Dade County strip club called the Gator Kick. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice strong kick. Little legs. (laughs) (laughs) They could jump high. Yeah. Whoa, really? Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't know anymore. (laughs) Well, they use their tails. Oh, Oh, okay. That makes sense. One report even said that Andrew Cunanan was seen hanging around an okra field in Arkansas. But I don't know. Hi. Hey. You know this vegetable sucks? You know, it sucks, right? It's mostly slime. Uh, you fry it and it's delicious, you I fuckers. I mean, I yeah. like That's I what like I know. Okra. Natalie likes it. Yeah. She liked the fried okra. But rightly so, the FBI guessed that Andrew Cunanan had stayed in Florida because he was enjoying the attention. Oh, yeah. And being in Florida, and especially Miami, meant that he could bask in the juiciest grief and the starkest fear. Well, he gets to really see, I think he's headed towards his final act on purpose. Mm -hmm. I think that this whole thing is him basking. This is his victory lap. He wrote his name in blood. He did. Andrew, however, was still making calls to friends to chat about his situation. One friend claimed that Andrew called him and said, quote, Hey, it's Andy. The FBI will never catch me. I'm just too damn clever. Which is why I keep using my real name. (laughs) And I love making phone calls. 
<laughs> and for a while, it seemed like Kunanen might have been right about being too clever. I just think it's hard to find somebody that is a motive. Well, we always talk about this. I, it's why they search for the lover. It's why they say it's the husband or the wife or stuff. Because to find a motiveless murderer is extremely difficult. If yeah. you have no, know where this person is, Miami's a huge fucking city. Yeah. And he has now spent enough time to know where to go, where no one is going to go look for him. He's specifically using the uh, the criminal element as a way to hide. Mm -hmm. Even after Versace's Remembrance Mass on July 22nd, which was attended by no less than Princess Diana herself, police still didn't have a beat on Kunanen a week after the crime. They put his ashes in a 14-carat Versace box. Jesus. Like this giant box of gold. That was just like, I mean, it sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty cool. But again, you're going to spend how much money on an urn? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's him. He has it. Yeah, I guess. But in the end, it wasn't the police who found Andrew Kunanen. Instead, it was a man named Fernando Carriera who stumbled upon Andrew Kunanen completely by chance. On the afternoon of July 23rd, over a week after the murder of Versace, Carriera stopped by one of the vacant boathouses he guarded for the owner, a guy called Torsten Reinick. Yeah, I live on boats. <laughs> He's definitely a guy who's not been on solid land for a long time. He smells of smelted fish. He sounds like an L. Ron Hubbard character. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. I am Torsten Reinick. I have Leverage. The most powerful force <laughs> in the world. But when Fernando Carriera poked his head into the houseboat, he came face to face with Andrew Cunanan. Since Carriera was a security guard, he was armed and he got the draw on Andrew. Cunanan fled into a room on the houseboat and locked the door while Carriera called the police. At this point, there was no way out for Andrew Cunanan, and we'll never know why he did what he did next for sure. Perhaps he felt that prison wouldn't be worth the increased notoriety a trial would bring him. Perhaps he felt like he had nothing else to do, or perhaps he just panicked. I think there's an element of a homicidal maniac doing a committing suicide. I think partially uh, it is because you get to end your story your way. Yeah. And no one gets to find out all your little secrets. Yeah, and the only thing that true. exists are the myths about you, the things that you have set up for other people to know, all of the various smoke and mirrors that you have fed to every single person that has ever known you, that you're, you know, you become a, a, a in this way, he believes he's become a legend. Yeah. And he's going to go as far as he can. Or... It was an accident. He was just sucking on the gun. I just was just like, oh, man, let me show him how good at sucking I am. Maybe he'll then he'll release me. <laughs> but either way, before the police even arrived, Kunanen pulled out Jeff Trail's pistol, put it in his mouth and pulled the trigger. The FBI, meanwhile, had no idea that Kunanen had taken himself out. So they called in over 100 agents and brought in their best negotiators to take Andrew alive. But by 7.30, after three and a half hours of just yelling at this boat with a <laughs> megaphone, <laughs> FBI agents decided that Kunanen had either escaped or was already dead by his own hand. Could someone dress as a sailor and enter from the other side? Can you appear as if you're a... <laughs> Could someone dress as a magical merman and come over the side of the boat? <laughs> Let's confuse him. Let's, let, what's his name? Triton? He's handsome, right? Just after 8 p.m., they tear-gassed the houseboat and stormed it to find that the case was definitely the latter. 
As far as Fernando Carriera went, he expected the $65,000 reward that had been promised for information leading to the capture of Andrew Cunanan. But Miami Beach officials welched on the deal by saying that the information he provided was not specific enough to qualify for the full reward. I don't know how we can be more specific because he's in this houseboat. <laughs> well, they technically didn't capture him because he killed himself. Because he well, killed himself. That is the fucking loophole. Yeah, dude. Ah. <laughs> Well, Fernando subsequently and unsuccessfully sued the city of Miami. But in the end, he was given $10,000 by the Gay and Lesbian Anti-Violence Project in New York City, and the FBI kicked in another ten grand as well. So, I mean, twenty grand's better than nothing. In the aftermath of the murders, though, almost the entire Cunanan family went whole hog on selling their stories and giving interviews to whoever wanted to talk to them, just so long as those interviews paid. Yep. Both of his parents did separate Larry King interviews, and Modesto was bold enough to flat out say that he hoped to earn half a million from book and movie deals. Well, he had a full extended universe. Oh, he did. <laughs> he had a completely <laughs> different story. He said that his son was not gay at all, oh, yeah. but was in fact trapped in an evil conspiracy involving a high-powered syndicate of rich old gays who tricked Andrew into dealing drugs while Andrew was working a legitimate job at an advertising firm in San Francisco. Francisco. It is a good story. I want to yeah. see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, it was revealed that most of Modesto's time in the Philippines was he spent most of it. He was a treasure hunter. He yeah, the, dude. He, he tried went full find, scam. He went full, full grift mode. Yeah, he tried finding that $55 million worth of gold that had been lost during World War II. There's gold in the waters. <laughs> just like, I don't know, man. I feel like we've been looking for that for a long time. I think it was, wasn't it like the like subplot of Cryptonomicon? Yeah, I might have been. I think it was, yeah. It was also discovered that Modesto belonged to a small-time cult called the Church Universal and Triumphant that was partly inspired by none other than Madame Helena Blavatsky herself. She did a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Many, many cults sprung out from theosophy. The Church Universal and Triumphant believed that the goal of human life was to spiritually ascend. Whatever that may mean. I think it means, I mean, go to heaven? Getting hard on cue. Yeah. (laughs) You just go, (laughs) But the plans of their ascended masters were constantly being thwarted by a cabal made up of communists, left-wing agitators, the government, and aliens. I love a good cabal. I love a good cabal. And that's a pretty good cabal. Oh, yeah. That's a fun group. That's a diverse group. I've never heard communists and aliens being put together. I think there should be more of that. Yeah. Why not? The Church of Universal and Triumphant were also a millennial apocalyptic cult, but the cult mostly fell apart in 1990 after their leader hauled everyone into underground bunkers in Montana 10 years too soon because he said nuclear war was coming. Man, you had 10 more years of juice, dog. No, but that's the thing. Right after he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Oh, it turns out. (laughs) It turns out. Turns out his mind had been deteriorating for a very long time. And but but because he was the leader, uh, they listened to everything that he said. We always talk about with cults, you're in the head of the leader, and then if the head of the leader has Alzheimer's, you now have spiritual Alzheimer's. Yeah, Uh, and that it was after like nothing happened. They're like, maybe we should take him to the doctor. I feel like we should take his license away. (laughs) (laughs) But you get the keys. But to give you an idea of Modesto's judgment, he joined the cult. Six or seven years after that. Hey, he's just like, there's always second chances. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as Andrew Cunanan went, it was discovered, as we said in the first episode, that he was not HIV positive, despite Cunanan's belief that he was. The whole idea was this spree started because he lost control after discovering that he had HIV, but he didn't. 
Interestingly, no drugs were found in his system, meaning that he'd been sober in at least the last few days of his life. He ran out of money. He ran yeah, out of sure, money. Sure. He ran out of crack. And he didn't know where to go. Yeah. Like at yeah. that point, you are really then too famous to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And most drug dealers are, you know, they're also rats. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. And so if he shows up and he's trying to, they'll go get the money. Of course. So oh, they'll yeah. go call the, they're going to end up calling the police. On it. They're still like, whoa, 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 whoa. I sell crack cocaine, <laughs> but I don't kill people. You yeah. know, like yeah. there's that shit too. Yeah. But how is the crack dealer going to tell the cops like how, how he knows Andrew Cunanan? You t- I, they, they don't care. They don't care. If yeah. you're trying yeah. to catch this guy, they won't care okay. about the crack cocaine. But while Cunanan did get the infamy he sought through murdering a person who actually accomplished something with his life, Kunanin is still a pathetic creep who had nothing to add to the world save pain and annoyance. Again, learn a skill, learn to play the guitar. Do something. Do something with your life. If you want to, if you have this idea in my head, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be famous, just like work on it. Yeah, yeah. you got to do work. Yeah, don't take it. Yeah, the destructive route, don't take the destructive route. It's stay also in shape. Yeah, <laughs> at least. And also being famous is not that it cracked up to be, all right? It's not like, get the money. Tupac said that. Get the fucking money. <laughs> Be a fucking, invent something. Yeah. yeah. Well, if any of you out there are in the San Diego area, well, actually, now when this episode comes out, I'm we sure will it'll be, be on stage. We'll be on stage at Beach Blanket Bingo. But the big thing this week, or actually it was last week, but we sort of, you know, didn't, we kind of forgot a little bit. Look at this. Look at this. The first issue of Operation Sunshine is out in stores right now. You can go to your local comic book store. It's the new comic book that Henry and I wrote yeah, together. Yeah, it's good. This is so fucking cool to have this out there. My personal, my comic book store here in Los Angeles is Earth 2. Yeah. And I know, for example, that Heather and the gang, they got some, they got extra copies of Operation Sunshine. If you're in the Valley, if you're in the Los Angeles area and your local comic book store is sold out, because I know the one that Eddie goes to, that one was sold out. That's it was, awesome. Yeah, they had, I got the last one and it was sitting like, Presented on the counter next to the register. Which yeah, is so fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so we worked fun. so hard on it, and I really hope you guys like this book. We're yeah. I got a different cover than these. There's it's a whole variant of covers. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there's tons of variants. And we got some incredible variants in the future. We got a fucking variant from uh, Glenn Fabry, who did all the covers from Preacher. We got a fucking cover from Evan Dorkin. Yeah, it's pretty like, fucking Which cool. is, I did, you know, Milk of Cheese and, you know, all, you know, he's Evan Dorkin. I mean, he's fucking incredible. I mean, that's a dream come true. But we always love, thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes. It, it means thank so much. So, 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 so Please great. check out the book. Um, And also, uh, next week, I know we got some people talking, it's Halloween season. It is. Yes. And so next week, it's full on, straight before we're about to get spooky as fuck. Really spooky. This is like, I'm very excited because we have not covered this subject. We've been wanting to cover the subject for a long time. And I think it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. Which I'm looking forward to. I hope so. I really do. It's Halloween time. <laughs> it's time. Yes. Yeah, because you're of the Halloween mind that you like Halloween to fuck you up. I want Halloween. I like to be scared for Halloween. Yeah. 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 Not like a fun time like you're dressing up like Batman or something. No, I like scary Halloween. Yeah, I don't really dress up anymore, but I like staying home and scaring the shit out of myself at scary movies. Yes, it's my favorite, but this is I'm really excited for the story because it's finally we're we're getting in it. Yeah. Good ghost story. All right. Well, thanks everyone. Thank you for listening. Hail Satan. 
Hail Gene. Be good to yourselves, folks. Hey, Amen. And again, get a hug. Go Dolphins. Go, well, we're we're go. all this Miami you're, stuff. You're the Dolphins are great. <laughs> you're allowed. They're fucking wonderful. Go to Miami. Yeah, it's the Dolphins. <laughs> the greatest football team. He's allowed team. this. They take them he all from goal celebrate. to goal like no one's ever seen. You can cut this off. We're no, in the no. air on the ground. We're, we're always in control. control. And, and when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because you're the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Yeah. <laughs> Miami I only Dolphins. know this from round table. Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number, number one. one. Bang, 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 bang. Shoot the guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang, no, bang, no, bang, that's bang, what happened bang. to Johnny Versace, you fucking insensitive piece of no! shit. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more 